Romans chapter number 3, Bible says in verse number 24, being justified, that's declared righteous, you in Christ are just. You're, you're completely pardoned and you are 100% accepted. Praise the Lord. Being justified freely by his grace. Freely, that's the mode. In other words, the mode isn't a manner of earning. Uh, the mode is it's free, freely, freely. Being justified freely by his grace. That's the origin. It excludes all and any merit of man through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the deliverance that you and I have that is wrong in Christ. That's a great passage of scripture. Christ is our meritorious cause. We have no merit. And, and that verse, Romans 3, 24, it's really the essence of the gospel. Freely, grace, redemption, Christ. That's who we are in him. Justified. Praise the Lord. Now go to Romans chapter number 6. The number of man in the Bible is 6. The word Romans has 6 letters. The book of Romans is the 6th book in the New Testament. And six times in the Bible, the word man shows up in a verse where it's the sixth word in that verse. And in Romans 6, 6, this is the sixth time that the word man shows up as the sixth word in the verse. <laughs> and so Romans 6, 6 really is, it is the most important verse Concerning man as he lives down here on the earth in his body of flesh, in our body of flesh. So Romans 6, watch it says in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Well, I don't smoke and I don't drink. And I don't do drugs and I don't go to the bar. And I, and I remind you that bitterness is a sin. <laughs> Malice is a sin. Anger without a cause is a sin. Hatred is a sin. This is a powerful verse for us to be able to live. Right? It tells us how we ought to live. We are crucified. That's our position in Christ. It says that our old man is crucified. We died with Christ. He died on that cross. We're dead to sin. He paid for sin. And guess what? I mean, you might get a spanking as a child now, or you might get punished by your parents now, but if you're crucified with Christ, if you're in Christ, there's no punishment for you ever, for your soul. That's something to rejoice about. You're in Christ. You're crucified with him. You're justified because of him. 
It doesn't get really any better than that. It can't get any better than that. Now, our old man, we all know that this is the unregenerate man. Before you got saved, that you're considered the old man. Now we have the, the regenerated man. We're not condemned under sin anymore. The old man was condemned under sin. In Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, when it talks about the old man, it talks about there's the putting, there's the putting off and the putting on. And when it talks about that, it's almost, it's, you almost envision it like clothing. You're going to put your jacket on. You're going to take your jacket on. It's this putting on and putting off. It's pictured um, when it's used, the old man in Ephesians and Colossians. <clears throat> but in Romans 6, there's a little bit of a different take on it. The old self is completely dead. When you're crucified with Christ, that's it. You've died. Now you have a completely new life. And it's not really a, just a profession of, well, hey, look, I've got new habits. I have put on some new habits. You know, kind of like the jacket analogy. Well, I take the jacket off and I put another jacket on. I'm taking some external things off and I'm putting some external things on. No. In Romans 6, it's this idea of, you're, okay, you've died. <laughs> Christ now dwells in you. He has given you a completely and entirely new life. And it can't wait to get out, <laughs> is what it is. It's an inward new life that is dying to bust at the seams and get out in the external manifestation of how we live our lives. And that's really the Christian life. I don't have to do something for the Lord. I get to do something for the Lord is the idea. Just can't wait. It's busting at the seams. Let's go over to Colossians. Because the other beautiful thing that we have in Christ is we're complete. My wife likes doing puzzles. My kids like doing puzzles sometimes, too. I'm not really a big puzzle guy, but I like sometimes doing puzzles. And when I do them, one of the most frustrating things, I'm sure it's common to all puzzle makers, is when you do all that work. You spend a week on the 5,000-piece puzzle. And then that one piece is missing. And you just feel like you just didn't complete the puzzle properly. And sometimes we walk around life like that. We, we just feel like there's just one little piece missing and we just don't feel complete. And Colossians tells us in Christ, we don't have to feel that way. Verse number nine, Colossians two. Did I say two or three? Uh, Colossians two, rather. Let's go to Colossians two. Look at verse nine. For in him, that's, that's Christ dwelleth all the fullness, not a portion, all of it, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This isn't God in a temple or a tabernacle or the Ark of the Covenant. This is God manifest fully in a body. That's his true tabernacle where he says that he resides. That's why he said in John 2, destroy this temple in three days will I rise it up. He's talking about his body. 
and completely God. A hundred percent. That's God's house, his dwelling place, that body of flesh. And it says in verse number 10, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You can say this this afternoon. You can leave this afternoon and know that you are complete. Everything about your life is complete because of Christ. He's the only one that can do that for you. And whether you're doing a puzzle and you're missing a piece or whether, you know, you, you have all of your crayons, uh, kids, you know, and you've got your pack of 48 crayons and you lose your favorite blue color, whatever that is. And you put them all back and you realize, oh, I want, I'm, I'm missing that one. It's not complete. I've got to go buy a whole other one. Why? Because you want to have all your crayons there, you know, and, you know, you got a fence, you got a line of fence and you got one, one picket that's off and it's just. Every time you look at it, you just, that thing's not complete. I got to I just I got to get that other picket back up so that you get a complete picture. It's not like that with Christ. We're complete. We're complete. He completes us. Nobody can live a life alone. It, the world doesn't function like that. A husband needs a wife, wife needs a husband, needs kids. Kids go up and have more kids. And so when you lose your spouse, you feel a piece of you has died. Parents who lose their children, a piece of them has died. They feel incomplete. Something's missing. There's no, the Thanksgiving table doesn't seem to be Right, something's missing. It's not complete. A lot of memories are formed around family tables and different holidays and festivals and birthdays and community events and all of this. And when someone is missing from that, it just doesn't seem like it's right. Colossians 2 tells you that if you're in Christ, you never have to feel that way. Your soul is complete. And you can just mark that down as an eternal blessing. You are complete in Christ. Look at verse number 12, Colossians 2, verse 12. The other thing that we are, we are buried with him in baptism. And also, the Bible says, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. My soul's alive, and if you're saved, your soul's alive forevermore. Now, my body, I don't know what's going to happen to my body. I mean, I hope I don't get eaten by a tiger. I hope I don't go down and crash in an airplane. I hope I don't sink in the, in, in, in the sea on a ship. I hope lightning doesn't take me out. But honestly, I guess I really don't care because I don't know. And you don't know what's going to happen to your body. I don't know. But I am resting. I am justified. I am complete. I am risen. I am very, I'm risen with Christ. Christ. So I know where my soul's going. That's, 
a secure that's a security that only believers have. When you look at verse 12, he would say, buried with him in baptism, and they want to point to, well, you know, water baptism. If you don't have that, you're, this can't be water baptism. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, we are all baptized in the one body. I wasn't put in the same baptismal tank that Brother Eric was put in. I wasn't put in the same baptismal tank that we baptized Chris in. We didn't all go into the same body of water. But we went into the same body of Christ. That's the one. No Christian went, all went into the same water. But we went into the same Christ. The same body. And in, in 1 Corinthians 12, all made to drink of one spirit. Same idea. And the other thing is, when you look at verse number 11, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, the beginning of verse 11, it says, in whom also you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. And then it goes into the baptism. Both of them are operations of God not operations of men. The same man didn't put me in water that put you in water. And that man put me in water, that preacher, and me as a preacher, if I put somebody in water, that's an operation made with my hands. That means it might do something for your body. It might do something as a public expression of our faith. But it doesn't do anything before God. It's before man. To show what happened. Before God. That nobody saw. Because it's an operation that. Nobody saw it. You were put into a body. That nobody saw. And in Colossians chapter number two. You can rest. In God's operation. 100% completely. Look at chapter 3. The other thing, we're justified, we're buried, we're risen, we're crucified. The other thing we are is hid. Verse number 1, it says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth from the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Well, I'll tell you, I struggle with that verse. Every time something, a problem arises or a stressor comes into life, I really have to get a checkup from the neck up because I got to start looking up. I mean, it's easy to focus on the problems. I And, and I'm telling you, I used to study this years back. I've got books from 20, 15, 20 years ago. And, you know, pop psychology, it's all about, well, we need to, we need to get you back to your thoughts. Let's talk about all your problems. And they go through all, you know, your problems after problem after problem. And they just get people to stay in their problem. Well, here's why you are the way you are. When you were 10, your dad did this and your mom did that. And so now this is who you are. Look, I understand we need to understand people's history to understand some problems. I get all that. But... 
this pop psych I told you a story because this pop psychology started to get repackaged with a Christian label. And then Christian pastors and Christian leaders started bringing it into the church. And it was all about going back and figuring out all your past problems. I don't know about you, but I've already identified the problem. <laughs> Whatever I do, I mess up. So what I should do, what we should do is say, look, our affections need to be set up on the heavenly things. It's like, why would I sit and listen to a couple for an hour, tell me about all their problems. You tell me about your problems. Okay, now you tell me about your problem. Now you tell me about her problem. Now you tell me about his problem. How about you both just sit there and be quiet and I'll tell you about Christ because you got problems. Christ don't have problems. I'm going to tell you how to get it right. You can set your affections up. You're hid with Christ. We don't have to go back and swim and depression of our problem. Recognize it and move on. Move on. Verse three, for you're dead and your life is hid. That's what I was trying to get to. We're hid with Christ in God. Now, that's it. So I'm dead. Verse three, you're dead. But then I have life and your life. You got dead and life in the same verse. Isn't that a strange verse when you when you think about that? It doesn't make sense. But you think about before you were saved. You didn't have a heartbeat for God. You didn't have a pulse for God, right? You didn't have any interest in God. You didn't have your affection settled. You were dead to God. You had no interest in those things. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I shared that verse with a young person at one of the outreaches at the fair over the summer. Well, we're not God's enemy. Well, you kind of, the Bible does say that we are. Friends of the world were enemies of God. I mean, he still came and died for us. But nonetheless, we didn't have a pulse for him. We're dead in trespasses and sins. <coughs> it's the opposite now. The explanation of that verse is the opposite of where we were before we came to Christ. Now we are dead to the earthly things. We don't have any interest in those. Our affections now should be set up on high. Heavenly places. Okay. Before we were saved versus after we were saved. We should be dead to the world. Our life is now hid. Yeah, but I'm in the world. I know. But you're really hid in Christ. You're not trapped in this world. We're just living here as pilgrims. You and I are hid in Christ. And he's taking us through this tempest these tempest seas, tumultuous times, but we're hidden now. And we should be dead to the things of the world. And that should manifest in how we live. And you are as, as protected as Christ is in the heavenly places. I know this is hard to imagine because we live down here. But you and I, 
we are as protected as Christ is. How can that be? Because our life, we're hid in Christ. It doesn't seem like that. We have to lock your doors because you're worried about coming, someone coming and breaking in your house. But look, you can play. This is the hide and seek game where you'll never get found. The enemy will never find you. You're hidden in Christ. Amen. Amen. Insecurity is all around us. And I'll just tell you, I lost all hope long ago in finding any happiness in this world. I appreciate the temporal blessings that we have when it comes to having a, a, a place to worship and a roof over our heads. And, but I have come to realize even more strongly as I say these words, my completeness is only in Christ. My happiness is only in Christ. And everything that we have should be put in the right in the right perspective. Uh, you know, couples have this. All couples go through this at one point. Uh, uh, well, uh, I insecurity. Everybody has insecurity about something at some point. Oh, I just feel insecure about. It. Uh, people have jobs; they they go through the same thing. It's, Back in my dad's day, when he worked, it was job security. My dad, my dad had the same job his whole life. That's rare now. That's rare. I'm struggling with job security. I'm kind of insecure whether I'm going to keep my job. We struggle with these things down here on earth. That is not true with Christ. Our life is hid in Christ. You do not have to feel insecure. One, one bit. All right, let's make one more stop in Ephesians and then we'll wrap up this Bible study. And we'll go to the first chapter, Ephesians chapter number one. The Bible says we're going to get the same idea where our affections were set. Watch what we have in heavenly places. It says in verse three of Ephesians one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. I said, who hath blessed us. Amen. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places where? It's in Christ that's what you have. It doesn't matter if you can't afford something down here. You have all of the blessings in heavenly places in Christ, they're yours. I just wish I was a spoiled rich kid so I can drive around in a Mercedes Benz with my parents. I've got something better. I've got a blessing better than a Bentley. It's in heavenly places in Christ. We get so depressed. We look around and we say, oh, well, we, you know, we don't have this and that and the other. And all spiritual blessings. Now, who wants to count their blessings? Name them one by one. I'm telling you, we would just be here all day. Go ahead and shout one out, Milani. I know you got something on your heart. 
Amen. Amen. All spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Are you forgiven? Praise the Lord. Are you redeemed? Are you justified? Is he not going to remember all of the sins that you did like your parents do? <laughs> it takes them a week to get over that. That, that we did that. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Look, the blessings that you have are astronomical in heavenly places. And if you set your affections there, you're not going to have any problem getting a hold of. Look, I know it's a rocky road, but I'm hidden Christ. All my protection is in him. All my completeness is in him. I'm just keeping my eyes up. I don't know what y'all doing, but I'm keeping my eyes up. Because you're blessed. We're blessed. Blessed. There's a, there's, a, there's a song. And believe me, I will not attempt to sing it. I don't call me lucky. Call me blessed. And that's, that's Christians. The world, the world believes in luck. The world goes down and puts money in the slot machine, and they're hoping they can get lucky. We don't need to do that. We've got everything, cha-ching, it's there. We've got so much more uh, than anybody can imagine. It's in heavenly places. And you might lose your car, you might lose your house, you might lose all your rich clothes, you might lose all your, um, all your stuff down here. But we might have some treasures down here, but I hope your heart aren't connected to those treasures. Because we're not going to take them anyway. And if we took them, God's going to laugh anyway. <laughs> what, do you, what are you bringing up? Which, as if it means something to God. Yeah, look at my car. And God's like, <laughs> you little. You have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're thinking about. That's why you've got to get your heart, your mind, and your thoughts fixed on him. Because what he has is so much better. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Look at verse number 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? You know why I can't lose my salvation and you can't lose your salvation? And every free will Baptist who thinks they can lose their salvation can't lose their salvation. You know why? Because of this verse. Because I've been quickened, you've been quickened with Christ. That means you have been made alive to never die again. I'm not going to die. You are not going to die. Your soul, my soul, and any truly born-again Christian who may think that they can lose their salvation can't lose their salvation. <laughs> because if they're truly blood-bought, they can't, their soul can't die. Amen. Lazarus, he died. Again. <laughs> See that? 
Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead, but then died again. Concerning our soul, our soul has been quickened. It means we are never, ever, ever going to die again. I can't die. I can't go to hell, and neither can you. No born-again Christian can. Amen. I'm as alive as Jesus is alive. John 14, because I live, ye shall live also. Jesus lived. Colossians 2.13, it says, and you hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. John 11 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Have you believed on Christ? You can never die. Never. Someone can say to you, Chris, go to hell. And your response can simply be, I'm sorry, I can't go there. And when they ask you, well, what do you mean by that? Then you can tell them what you mean by that. <laughs> My life is hid with Christ in God. I've been justified. I've been redeemed. I've been buried with him. I've been risen with him. I'm crucified with him. And you can get in on it too. And Joe Smith can't do that for you. And no Muhammad can do that for you. No prophet can do that for you. No new age guru can do that for you. And no pope or preacher can do that for you. And your Christian parents can't do that for you. But Christ can. Christ can. John 5, 24 says, I pass from death to life. 2 Corinthians 4 says that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. The Bible says, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. I'll close with this phrase. Everything that is true concerning Christ is now true of you and I because we are in him and we are with him. Christians are with Christ. Christians are in Christ. And whatever is true of him is now true of us. It's all his merit. It's all his grace. It's the only way it could work. Now that's a hard thought to get your mind wrapped around. Because we are trapped in this body of flesh trying to get along with people that annoy us. Right? But God commended his love toward us and we were yet sinners. Christ died. We annoyed him. We were enemies of him. You think about Christ. You're in him and with him. You have all the benefits, all the blessings you can possibly need. 